Hey everybody, what's going on? You are listening to The Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski. Thank you for joining me. On this episode, we have the Todd Martinez, the coach of the Ironmen, a former player from San Diego Dynasty, from the Ironmen, from uh, he played for SD Aftermath. He played for Avalanche back in the day. This guy, he's been around for uh, for a very long time. He has made a name for himself in this sport, and um, you know, not only on the field but off the field with his personality. I'm uh, I'm I'm so very glad to to be able to sit down and and have a conversation with him. Um, but before we get into the interview, a quick thank you to our sponsors. Sponsors like Planet Eclipse. The makers of the LVR, yes, ah, oh, I can't, I can't get enough of it, man. I, I cannot get enough of this LVR that I'm shooting. Um, I love the anodizing work that Aesthetic Anodizing did for me. It just uh, puts the little cherry on top of what the uh, what the LVR is for me. Uh, that it shoots like butter. Uh, the new barrel, the new carbon fiber barrel system. Uh, shoots awesome, and I've I've had zero complaints um, since I've started shooting Planet Eclipse in 2005. Which every single year that I've been playing pro, I've shot Planet Eclipse, and uh, you know I I wouldn't have changed it for for anything. I'm very very happy that I was able to shoot Planet Eclipse for so long. So thank you Planet Eclipse for sponsoring this podcast, and uh, and yeah, sweet beans. You can find them over at planeteclipse.com. Thank you to Vantrition. They supply me with all my paintball supplement needs for, uh, like, nutrition-wise. <laughs> it's early. It's so early. I'll get through these ads. Um, Vantrition, thank you for sponsoring me with these, uh, with all my paintball supplements, like the Paintball Preload and the Paintball Reload, which is a recovery formula and a, like a pre-workout before the game. I also take their... Uh, their four plate protein for when I work out, but you can find them at vantrition.com. And uh, if you type in capital TPOP for the playing on podcast, you can get 15% off. That is right at checkout. Uh, so thank you, Vantrition. Thank you to Midwest Clothing. They have uh, a bunch of custom gear over there. They have a, uh, they have a jersey and a head game uh, deal going on. Where if you go over to MidwestClothingLLC.com, you can uh, you can check out all their sweet swag and uh, and see exactly what all of their deals are. Uh, cool Midwest guys from uh, from Minnesota uh, out there making awesome clothing, uh, pants, shirts, all that good stuff. So make sure you check them out, MidwestClothingLLC.com. And if you type in capital T P O P, you can get twenty percent off for all the playing on podcast listeners. So thank you, Midwest Clothing. Also, a, uh, a thank you goes to Carbon Paintball. They are supplying myself and uh, Chicago Aftershock with the base layer, which is badass. Uh, they have they have knee pads built into the uh, the compression uh, pant, and it has like these hip these hip pads. Uh, but it's all like slimming. It's not very bulky or anything. It's you can really move around in it. I I, I love the damn thing. I think it's great. Um, they are. Uh, they ha- also have a compression top with uh, with elbow pads, and um, and it it wicks away all your sweat, keeps you cool. It's it's awesome. It's carbonpaintball.com, and if you c- type in capital T P O P, you can get 
15% off over at carbonpaintball.com. So thank you, Carbon, for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, and last but not least, thank you to RazaLife.com. Raza Clothing. Uh, my friend Todd over there, he's, uh, he's banging out all kinds of sweet threads. And uh, you can find everything over at RazaLife.com. And if you type in uh, capital T-P-O-P, you can get 19% off of your entire order. So that is very sweet. Whether you be a bowler, a dart thrower, um, if you like to collect animals and you want to make a shirt about it, I don't know, head over to razalife.com and, uh, and you can do that. So all the custom gear. So thank you, Raza, and thank you to all the sponsors for... for uh, for supplying me with some sweet stuff and uh you know make sure you guys support your local paintball field and support your uh, paintball companies that's the only way we're going to grow um but anyway todd martinez uh you know has his personality has really uh influenced me throughout the years and he's, he's very outgoing very uh very outspoken he's you know he's somebody that paintball needs around you know, and, you know, we could always go through the, the, the one, two, threes and the ABCs of everything, but he's somebody that always throws, you know, throws his thought in and it's, you know, it's, it's worth listening to for sure. And, uh, and now he's the coach of the Ironmen and he's really kind of steering that ship in the right direction. And, you know, I, I enjoyed playing against those guys. I enjoyed playing against Todd and I think this was, uh, I think this was a great conversation. So, uh, without further ado, here is uh, my podcast with Todd Martinez. I hope you guys enjoy. See ya. All right, we are live. Yeah. What up? What's going on, man? How you doing? Doing good. That's at uh, the office all day today. Went out of Mexico yesterday, day before so busy right now needed yeah. a I drove 150 miles yesterday Jesus yeah just all over everywhere so my truck needed a break today <laughs> what were you doing uh, down in uh, down in Mexico uh, just overseeing production you know I used to have a partner um, with Raza um, but he doesn't work at the company anymore so I'm the only owner of Raza so it's just me um, Josh, who's like our main artist, he's been with me basically since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, Richie, and Big Los were the last ones left from, you know, closed all the stores. You know, no more retail stores. We just have Raza now, and that's why we moved over here to die. Mm-hmm. So we basically have the entire R&D office to ourselves. you know, minus uh, Luis, who's been with Die for years and years and years. Yeah. So it's just basically the six of us, and I'm rarely here. I'm usually down running production. So craziness. Yeah, if I'm at production, then yeah, I barely get to sit down at my desk and work on my computer. So if I have like a bunch of stuff I need to do, or I gotta like sit down and make phone calls or reply to emails and stuff, then I'll skip uh, Mexico and stay in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Since we're uh, since we're talking about Raza, did that. That started out as a as a field, correct, and then a store, or a store and then a field, and then now a clothing line. Well, my goal was always to have um, a manufacturing company, right? 
um, we opened the store first, my, my old partner and I, Mike Bredo, um, you know, we opened the store first as our first business and Mike Peverell actually helped us open up that first store. Oh yeah. Um, but we opened up the store as Pev's Paintball, but our brand name was always Raza. Yeah. So we started making stuff right away, but you know, in the beginning trying to figure out our process of how we were going to do it. Um, yeah, we tried a couple different things, but, um, you know, ended up eventually just, you know, buying all of our own stuff and doing it in house. But the, the first, the store came first and then the field came second and then all of the, uh, manufacturing stuff came third. So the field only lasted a couple of years because the people that owned the, the land, mm-hmm. uh, well, not the people that own the land, the people that own the lease screwed me out of my, uh, field, but you know, I was wondering how that went down because I, I, I practiced there, uh, I think a couple times and it was beautiful facility. I mean, it was set up perfect for, uh, practices and everything. And, and I heard you were, uh, it was getting shut down and I was just like, wait, what? The, uh, we had the field, you know, we did the setup and basically the guys, it was at an existing paintball park mm-hmm. and there was no tournament parks in San Diego like this, right? SC village was the closest one, but that was a hundred miles away. And, you know, it wasn't set up the way we set it up. We had perfectly flat ground, nice turf, um, brand new fields every year. So everything was laid out perfectly flat. All the fields were gridded out and nice. But one day, the excuse me, the guy that owned the park was like, you're going to pay me twice as much money as you're paying me. And I'm like, I can't afford to, I can't afford to do that, you know? Yeah. I just left. Jeez. It's a, it's a shame, too, because – uh, I'm sure you guys are busier in hell with uh, with one your weather, and two with the amount of paintball that's uh, that's being played down in Southern California. Yeah, I mean, I actually think that you know there's a lot more. There was a lot more teams back in that time, like oh seven oh eight, mm-hmm. or at least that's the way it felt because you know we were having you know 15 teams out there every weekend. Yeah, you know, I I stopped going like now like the place where everybody plays is Camp Pendleton. You know, that's where the Ironmen practice too. But it just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of rec like teams that show up and have like these random scrimmages. But there's also some other fields up north, you know, where people go play. People still play at SC Village. Um, people go to the Whittier Ranch. Um, California Paintball Park, I think, is another one. But there's a couple other fields up north that actually have like nice tournament parks where you can go get games. So I think some people go up there. ASG opened up a new field um, that's relatively close for like the socal market you know yeah la and down pretty much la you know riverside stuff like that san diego now did uh are you are you from san diego born and raised i was actually born in virginia all right both my parents were in the navy so we moved to san diego when i was one so i don't really remember that whole first year (laughs) that's a tough year i just claim san diego you know (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so you, you grew up in San Diego was, um, you know, I try not to have this be so much of like an interview, but more or less kind of storytelling and, and, uh, you know, I don't want to be like, Oh, you know, question a, and then answer a, and then question B, but, um, but I like kind of going back because I don't really know. I know you, I'm a good friends with you, but not a lot of people and, and even myself don't really know a lot of the backstory behind a lot of these players and a lot of these icons in the game and this is kind of what i want to do is is kind of dig a little bit deeper and see what the where the roots are and and um now where and when did uh, did paintball kind of come around in your life because obviously you love sports um 
was it a another adrenaline rush that you found after like what, what did you play in high school anyway um well growing up i played soccer you know my my dad always you know i started playing soccer because i was going with my brother to his games and basically when i was about two or three years old i started playing soccer with him yeah uh, as I got a little bit older, I found out about basketball. I thought basketball was great. Always played baseball. The one thing I never really got into was football, and we don't really have hockey out here. Mm-hmm. It's basically like soccer and basketball and baseball were like my three main sports. Yeah. Um, when I got to high school, you couldn't play soccer and basketball. I tried out for football, played football for one year, yep. and you're you know five foot four and 140 pounds. But football ain't so great. <laughs> <laughs> And they made me choose between soccer and basketball, so I chose basketball. But right when I got into high school is when I first heard about paintball. And me and my dad used to drive to New Mexico every year. Um, you know, our whole family would go, and uh, we'd stay out there for a month because my dad, um, the house he grew up in, you know, was like a farmhouse. So we'd go out there for a month to go shoot guns, ride motorcycles, do farm stuff, you know, bale hay, and, you know, load trucks with hay. You know, like we still – we still like grew hay out in the farm, mm-hmm. you know, and had to do all the work in the summer um, to go sell your hay. But <clears throat> like, you know, we would we would drive out there and then I started getting these paintball magazines and I'd read about it. And, you know, I, I got so hooked on it. I was reading about it for probably about a year before I even played. And then um, I made my dad stop at this store in Arizona on the way to New Mexico and I bought a pump gun. It was like a hundred bucks, you know, got all the, the starter package. Right. Yeah. And uh, we went out and played, and my dad had a baseball helmet on, one of those plastic stingrays, you know, a little JT whippersnapper. And I'm out there like Ralphie from the Christmas story with <laughs> 19 layers on, you know, can't put my Barely arms moved. down. And uh, we went out there, and we played, and it was a blast. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there hiding in the back. My dad's just running people down, bunkering them out his first day out. And I'm just like, this looks fun. You know, I got hooked, and then, you know, starting through high school, you know, started playing like every other month or so. And then by, you know, sophomore, junior year of high school, I found out about tournament paintball. I went from playing like every other month to trying to play like every weekend. Yeah. And then found, uh, you know, like the tournament style paintball when I was 16. And then mm. it was just from there, started playing novice tournaments, uh, played a year of novice tournaments, a year of amateur tournaments, and then got picked up by the Ironman and, the uh, end of '99. So Ironman was your first uh, your first professional team. Ironman was my first pro team. Yeah, I played with the uh, first NPPL was with the Paraplegic Turtles, ten man. So I played uh, 1998 with the Paraplegic Turtles at the end and the beginning of '99, and then end of '99 I went to the Ironman. Let's see. Now, now, was it were you kind of going through this journey by yourself, or did you go to high school with anybody that uh, that was playing like <clears throat> yeah. tournament paintball or anything? No, there was one kid that went to my high school that I that I played rec with, you know, freshman and sophomore year, and then, um, you know, just people I met out at the paintball field. You know, that's that I met uh, Maddie, Davy, and Micah. Um, Eli Santos plays for the CP Raiders. Those dudes all played for a team called Navarone, right? Uh, another guy, Dave Hafter, he was the captain of Navarone. And, uh, you know, they'd go play against the Marine team guys. And I was on the junior Marine team, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, I, but I was I was always watching Navarone guys play because they were all like 18, 19-year-old dudes, just super fast, hungry out there, you yeah. know, being reckless, talking trash. And, <laughs> man, those dudes are fun. They ended up getting on uh, – 
they became part of Marine Team later. And then I went up, you know, I was about to play with Marine Team. And then it was those guys, Maddie Davey, that ended up getting me a tryout for the Ironman. I actually ended up having to go um, to my varsity basketball team mm-hmm. and apologize for going to a tournament in Vegas because I missed a practice. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, basketball is always my sport, really. You know, I stopped playing baseball after, uh, I think, sophomore year. You know, I continued to play basketball all the way through high school, but. I mean, paintball basically took over. I mean, I loved basketball, still, you know, was fully committed to it, but that's mm-hmm. also the name of the right time where I uh, really started getting big into paintball. Yeah, that's kind of what happened to me with uh, with baseball, is that I, I found paintball <laughs> my, my sophomore year, and then right in my, my junior year, like, our team started playing. 2002, we, we won the city championship. 2003, we were runner-up, and... I almost beat the home run re- uh, beat the home run record in my sophomore my high school <laughs> my junior year, and uh, fucking paintball man came around and started pulling me away from from baseball, and uh, there was I I remember to this day there was a game where I uh, I don't I think it was just a regular season game I missed a couple practices because of paintball tournaments, and we were we were playing this team I was up to bat. And my, my coach knew about paintball and everything that I was missing practices because of it. And, uh, and I, and I, and I swing at this curveball that hit the dirt, like five feet in front of the plate. And it was just, it was embarrassing. And the coach pulls me over, calls timeout, pulls me over. He goes, look, we need a home run, please. And thank you. And that's all he said. And he, and he sent me back over to the plate. Next pitch, it was a fastball inside and I took it over the left field wall and as I'm, he was he was on third base coach. I, as I'm going around the bases, I hit third base, and he and I'm getting up and ready to like slap his hand as a high five. And he goes, "Fuck paintball!" Like <laughs> my hand, and I'm like, "What? I love paintball. Are you kidding me?" And like that kind of, it, it kind of steered me. Now I was like, "Man, I want to play paintball." Two and things. Then, Number one, I had to get up in front of my team and apologize to the whole team for missing practice. And number two, I remember when you showed up, and it all makes sense now, when you came out to play softball with us with the meat hammers, yeah. and we're like, oh, everybody sucks when you're on the meat hammers, it's no problem, dude throws you a pitch and you hit it about 450 feet. <laughs> we were like, whoop. In jeans. I think I was wearing jeans, too. All right, then. That's one. <laughs> Might have been the only run we scored all game. <laughs> that, was, that was so fun. When I heard you guys were going to go play softball, I was like, I'm down. I, t- I totally want to play. I'm yeah. down. It was great. I had such a good time. That was the best ever. Meat Hammer softball was probably the highlight of my sports career. Those shirts were amazing. Those jerseys. I we I think we went one and one and probably like thirty something. But that one game we won, we popped champagne like we won the championship. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. Your boy Frank Connell came out and played with us one time, and he was the same thing. Like, oh, I got this. I'm the man. He put him in right field, and he just committed five, four errors in a row. Four, like, <laughs> ball through his legs, chucked the ball over. Like, it was so bad. It was, like, the perfect meat hammer. Oh, my God. The perfect meat hammer story. I can Fucking see Frank doing that. Frank Connell, yeah. <laughs> oh, I got this. I got this. Woo! <laughs> I got this. <laughs> Now, uh, Meat Hammers was it was Dynasty guys, you, Maddie, yeah, all the San Diego guys, pretty much. It was like Dynasty and excessive guys. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's why you were in town because you were still on excessive, like yeah. 07, right? Uh, I think it was 06. 06, 07, yeah. Yeah, because 07 yeah. I was on Avalanche. Um, yeah. I think it was 06 that we had Meat Hammers. Yeah. Yeah, because BC was still playing. Yeah, 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 BC. So it was like me, Maddie, Davey, BC, Ryan, Oliver, Alex, Red. <laughs> Red, yeah. I remember Red. <laughs> That was a good time. Skinny Kevin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whoever was in town. Yeah. We we rolled like 20 deep all the time. And just cases of beer over yeah. and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. Um so so you get on the Ironman. So back to back to paintball. You uh you get on the Ironman. What uh let's see. I'm trying what what year would that be? 99. And a 99. I played Boston. Um, we took third. That's where Richie Malachewski had that famous run through at the very end. I think he shot like seven or eight of us. Really? I got shot in the back, so, you know, I got clapped up. But <laughs> Richie Malachewski comes through the middle, shoots Maddie out as one of those fields, the hyperball fields that had the two pipes mm -hmm. that were like in the middle. So, like, came out of his pipe, bunkered Maddie inside of our pipe, bunkered Shane on the backside of it, shot Billy on the run. Shot Eric on the run, turned his gun this way, shot Benini on the run, shot like it was stupid. You know, it was like if you ask Maddie, he'll tell you that that's where the run through started with him. Yeah, Richie Malachewski. That dude was ridiculous. I played with him on Shock later in uh, 2002, 2003, and he is to me, hands down, one of the best players I've ever seen. Like, he's in my top five. Yeah, you know, my top five, three of my top five are guys that half people that play paintball today never even heard of, mm -hmm. you know, probably the most stone cold killers, you know, but they never said anything, you know, and that, that is John Richardson, Richie Malachewski and Angel Fergoza, you know, those dudes, like they were insane. I watched Richie Malachewski, that Boston tournament. Like I knew that that dude, that was the first time I got to see him play. Mm -hmm. We're playing in the woods. Right. And there's like the big hyperball field and hyperball was brand new or hyperball was still kind of new. Yeah. Airball was brand new. Right, ten man airball. They've only been around for, you know, a couple of years. Right, at least in the U.S. All the bunkers are still connected with the uh, connected tubes. tubes. Yeah, right. And the woods field right next to us, and the woods field's super hilly. Right, and I'm watching Richie on a push, like it's like a stud, like a deadlock game in the woods. He comes running down a hill, you know, like down a mound, shoots a dude in the goggles that pops up over the top of a stick bunker to try and shoot him. One balls him in the goggles on the run downhill with an autococker, comes back up the hill. The next dude comes up, goggles him, right? Goggles another dude and just keeps on running. It was just like whoop, whoop, gone, right? Jesus. Blew the whole side, went around, shot everybody else in the back. And it was just, it was insane. That's that's crazy because I can't, I, I never really played too much Tan Man. Actually, my first Tan Man tournament was in in las vegas and uh it's such a totally totally different game because i mean you shoot two three four guys it's still a paintball game and yeah. and to have because i'd never heard that story before of of malachewski that move he did against you guys because that, that's a little bit more before my time before i started breaking into it i was still in the tournament, <laughs> still in the tournament. it's so and those uh those three guys besides angel because angel's pretty athletic like John and uh, and they're not like supreme athletes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like if you look at them, I mean, I don't know Richie, you know, personally, well, but you just look at them and you go, man, those aren't those guys don't 
they don't look like they can run or jump high or do anything, but their timing is like phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. John actually was a really uh, talented high school athlete. Mm-hmm. And then after high school, um, kind of got a little bigger. Right. And then those last couple of years on in Infamous got back into shape and then became like a giant jack beast. Yeah. So John was actually always pretty athletic. You know, there was just a few years there where um, he didn't really work out or really care. We just kind of ate pizza and, you know, <laughs> did whatever. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Richie, you know, back in the day, you didn't really think about having to be athletic. You mm-hmm. know, there were guys that were just fast. Like if you had fast guys, you had fast guys. Right. It wasn't like everybody in your team was like, oh, we got to go work out or we're, we're fitness nuts. You know, like yeah. there was just you either had guys that worked out or guys that didn't, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And the, I think that's what's so cool about like uh, old school 10 man is that it wasn't that way. Like it was it was paintball at such a raw form to where guys who had that intuition and that and that skill and that was gut feelings went off of those gut feelings and it just you saw it manifest right there on the field and that's what i wish i could have seen is is moves and players like that oh it was it was ridiculous like i'm lucky that i got to uh see a couple of those 10-man tournaments in the woods and play a couple of those 10-man tournaments in the woods before it went to all airball um because i mean there were dudes that I mean, guys that came out of the woods too that that started playing airball that were just insane, and we're we're just doing stuff that you didn't expect because you'd never seen it before, mm-hmm. you know. But like, I mean, watching certain guys play in the woods, like it, it was insane. And, and some of those guys' games never translated to hyperball and airball, right? You know? But you don't want to see those dudes in the woods, you know, because you won't <laughs> see them in the woods until exactly. they're by you. Exactly, you know. Now, was was Richie uh, one of the guys that you kind of watched and, and kind of, I guess I wouldn't say kind of wanted to play like or because or, you, you obviously want to be yeah. play like yourself. And so he was? Yeah. Well, I'll tell everybody, you know, like my game growing up, like my game isn't just everything that I just made up, you know. I didn't just all of a sudden one day, you know, like, oh, I can do all this different stuff. Like I was a fan of the game, right. you know. So all these dudes, like – I didn't hate on guys' games, like, you know, it's it's weird because back in the day, you know, it seemed like there was a lot more like, you know, we hate these guys and we hate these guys and we fight, you know, like, yeah, I I was like a huge fan, you know, just because I was like paintball's new and cool and I I went and watched all these guys play, yeah, you know? and that's how I kind of got to know these guys. So, growing up, watching Brian Benini, John Marquez, John Richardson, Chris Lasoya, Richie Malachewski. Um, the aftershock guys like Billy Saransky, Ryan Williams, I've taken parts of their games and that's what my game is. Right. You know, it's like, um, you know, you like, you look at Kobe, right. And Kobe, you watch all of his moves and 90% of them are Jordan's moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you look at LeBron and he's doing, uh, you know, stuff that he borrowed from all these different guys. Like, I feel like if you can take other people's games you know and make their moves yours and understand them and perfect them and yeah. understand why they do what they do and why they think the way they think then that's how you figure out how to become a better player you know mm-hmm. like you like as a coach of a as the coach of the ironman right i expect my guys when we're not playing to be in the stands watching to see what the best player on the field is doing exactly you know 
if Carl Markowski is out there right now and he's shooting three guys a game by running left-handed to the snake with one foot behind his back, then guess what we're Which doing? is often. Which is often. Um, I mean, usually, I to... <laughs> you know, I've seen that move too many times. Like, we got to run it. You know what I mean? But, you know, like, you always want to watch and see, you know, what mm-hmm. the best players in the world are doing. And growing up, you know, I was lucky because that's what I got to do. And I was also lucky enough to be at the age where I got to see the transition of, you know, woods ball, hyper ball, air ball. You know, yeah. one of the reasons why I think Chris Lasoya is the best player to ever play the game is because he was the man in the woods, right? Destroying people in the woods. Hyperball yeah. destroyed him, right? Went to seven man, destroyed people at seven man. Went to X ball, destroyed people in X ball. You know, he found a way to be great at every stage of every different transition of the game. Yeah. You know, he may not be the best airball player that ever played, you know, but he was pretty up there, right? He was pretty damn good. There. Like, he was just doing stuff, like, you just don't see other people do, you know? Mm-hmm. But he also did that stuff on hyperball and in the woods. So Yeah. Yeah, there was – speaking of Chris, there was – um uh tons tons of respect for chris Tubian. there was a time where he was com- um commentating for the super sevens and i think it was tampa like 2007 or something like that and he was commentating one of our games i, I went back and watched the video and and he had said that i had made one of the best moves he had ever he had ever seen at the time and that for for me that had hit home because he is one of the best of all time. And for him to say something like that, it really, really meant a lot. And uh, just because, you know, I don't think a lot of people got to see him in his prime as far as like some of the, like the younger kids, because the videos were a little here and there back then. But man, when I saw that guy play, it was just, he knew what to do at the right moment. And just all the greats, man, they put the, put the, the balls in the right spots and knew when to move. And it was ridiculous. Yeah. It was fun to watch, fun to be a part of. I mean, we won, I think we won, you know, a handful of tournaments in Europe, won the series title once or twice, you know. Got, I got to play next to a lot of these dudes, and it's one thing to watch them, but then when you actually get to play next to them and, like, see how they think and, you know, why they do what they do. It like, makes you better, too. It makes you a lot better. I mean, just and diff- you can take different things from different guys, you know. I learned how to be a a better communicator from Rich Telford. I learned how to be a better back guy from Todd Adamson. I learned how to be a, a ruthless um, front guy from John Marquez, you know, like that dude was nasty. Learned too. how to be sneaky from Brian Benini, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you need all of those to be an all rounded player of, of the game of today where you need to be able to do everything because the fields are smaller and it's only five man. So it's like, you have to be able to encompass every single little bit of all those attributes and use them on the field. It's crazy too because, uh, like, the cultures of different teams is also something you can learn from. Like when I went to AfterShock, those dudes were still all the old like I will punch you in the face and cut you, you know, if you try and mess with us guys. You know, yeah. Rolf, Ronnie, uh, Manny, Richie, Todd, Billy, Ryan. You know, like those dudes. When we won World Cup in in two thousand two, the last ten man World Cup. I'm walking onto that uh, game against Dynasty, mm-hmm. and Don Jackson, Spud, comes up to me, and he's like, smiling just ear to ear, and he's like, "You guys are gonna win this event," and he was dead serious. He wasn't like trying to like make you, you know, excited. Hide you up or anything? Yeah. I, no, he was he was 100% confident, like he already knew, and the way that he 
said that to me, you know, and like looked at me, I was like, oh man, like we are going to win this. <laughs> you know? And it's just yeah. crazy. Like the way that like, you know, some of these teams are, you know, like the mentality, you know, just from the, the, the types of groups of people that form, you know, being on Aftershock was different than being on Avalanche, different than being on the Ironman, different than being on Strange, different than being on Dynasty, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, different different vibes for different teams for sure. And it's uh, it kind of reminds me, takes me back to Las Vegas when, because you obviously know that Aftershock has all these new guys, and I feel like I'm I'm feeling this role now of of kind of a leadership role in the team. And there were a few points at the during the uprising game where I kind of had to let a couple dudes have it because it's like you're at this level where you have to you have to learn and you have to learn quickly. And if if you're not on board with that, you're going to get pushed off very 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 quickly. And I, you know, sometimes I come off harsh, but I feel like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you got to kind of feel it. And you're a coach now, so and and you have been a coach, but um you kind of feel it out player by player. And I mean, some teams have players and vibes like that where some guys just need to be nose to nose with a dude and tell him to fucking sack up and and go play your game like I know you can play and then there's other guys or other teams where they look at you and go you know what you need to do and go yeah okay I know what I need to do and you go out there and do it well it's especially hard for you because you're still playing and then right? there's that yeah. figure out what that guy's doing wrong while still trying to figure out what you're doing wrong you know mm-hmm. like I'll just stand on the sidelines you know, sipping Gatorade, like, you suck, do this, <laughs> suck, do that. You're great. Keep doing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, I'm, and I'm not trying I, to take anything away from Bruno. You know, it's he, it's his job to tell the players what to do, where to go, and kind of keep the heads of everybody on a, you know, on a swivel and, and steady. But... No, you still need that on-field leader. Mm-hmm. You know, like, part of the reason why I came back to the Ironman is because Bobby Avilas is on the team. Ever since me and Bobby... I mean, me and Bobby basically have been playing paintball, not together, but, like, around each other since probably about 2000, mm-hmm. right? That's so a long time. we played together on Aftermath in 2006, I believe, 2007. Yeah. And, I mean, from day one, it's just, like, we're on the same page, you know? Like, we both have the same attitude, same style. Like, we get it, you know? He's my on-field general that I can trust is going to come back to me and say, hey, this guy's not doing his job, or I'm doing my job, I'm not doing my job, I need to do this, this isn't working, you know, like that whole communication. If he needs to go after somebody else, you know, then he can do that. Yeah. You know, and he knows that I understand because we're on the same page, you know. But managing personalities is, you know, it's kind of what it's all about, you mm-hmm. know, trying to the best people in the best position that can handle it, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, no I agree because paintball's, like you know has been said a million times is 90 percent mental and if you can if you can put those chess pieces in the right spots uh to handle certain situations and then they can they're really good paintball players on top of that then you know that much better yeah i mean you gotta have the skills but you also gotta be ready for the moment right Mm -hmm. yeah when i put in when i put in brad in that 2000 2012 game against the russians where he went down and shot all those people and won mvp and won the event mm-hmm. you know he was like i want this let's go yeah might easy yeah let's do it <laughs> you want it let's go 
and I and I love that too because I feel like that's what that's what's on aftershock right now. And and all the all of them are so eager and so hungry to play and it it helps that now in the pits that Bruno has got a big smile on his face and he feels it I mean the the vibe is so much different and it's so much more positive on and off the field and even you can see it too. Like all the guys on Aftershock, like you could have totally expected them to come out and be like, "Oh God, what do I do?" Mm-hmm. You know, or like, "What's happening?" All of them went out there and were like, acted like they belong there, and that was actually kind of nice to see. We play you next event though, so like none of that shit. All right. Gotcha. <laughs> no, it's it's good. I I feel really really good about the team and and the the direction. So, uh, and speaking of Aftershock. What uh, what was the reason for uh, for your leaving Ironman? It was Ironman two aftershock, correct? No, I went to uh, Avalanche first. I was only on uh, the Ironman oh, for that's right. that's three right. events. You know, in retrospect, if you know, you think like if I'd have stayed, then I might have been you know uh, a lifer like Billy Wing. Yeah. You know, like when I got on the team, Billy Wing was on the team too. Um, and I want to always wonder how that would have played out. You know, and I thought about that for a while. Because I ended up leaving. I played Boston. I played World Cup. I think we did took third and fourth, and then we refed um, the LA Open. No, we refed Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras, and the LA Open. Mm. And I was there refing, and uh, the Avalanche guys were in my hotel, and they were like, "Oh, come over here!" And it, you know, it's like John and Lasoya and Jeremy Salm. And they were like, hey, you know, like, we want you to come play with us, you know. And I'm like, they were the best team in the world. You know, they were just on a roll. And I had Chris LaSoya and John Richardson asking me to come play on their team. Feeding you candy into a van. Yeah. So I was like, I got to go to Europe, you know, got to play with the number one team. I was like, Mm -hmm. I did it, you know. Ended up leaving and stayed on Avalanche up until – 2002 Atlantic City. Then I went to Aftershock. Now, Avalanche is when you were started wearing the do-rag, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was boys with all the dudes from uh, Team Strange. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, Mikey showed up to one event, and he's like, dude, look at these cash money do-rags I got at the <laughs> gas station. <laughs> so it was me, Oliver, uh, John Richardson, and then Mike. Fast Mike, Dirty Dave, and Brandon Carter um, from Strange, and we just started rocking those do rags. And it was right when all that uh, like Cash Money came out, you know, mm-hmm. Lil Wayne <laughs> when he was like seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> before before he got sweet, you know. Yeah, yeah. When he was still little. Well, he still yeah. is little, but yeah, he's way little back then. Talking about platinum chains and twenty inch rims and stuff like that. We thought we were gangsters. <laughs> that was so sweet. I remember, and then because that, um, I remember. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Oh, of course. People didn't want to mess with us. <laughs> uh, with uh, what was the transition like going to AfterShock at that point after Avalanche? Well, actually, um, they didn't want to let me play Atlantic City, which is a whole nother story. Uh, and I was like, dude, there's five tournaments a year. Like, I'm trying to play. Right. You know? And so I bought my own plane ticket to Atlantic City. And um, Rennick was like, 
they're not going to let you play. You can play with us. I was like, all right, let's do it. I was like, Ed wants a thousand bucks. So I had to give him my gun back. Uh, ran a game a thousand bucks and I played Atlantic City. My first game with Aftershock, I shot nine dudes out of 10. Mm. Yeah, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. That, that story yeah. reminds me that's the reason why I left Avalanche. Really? <laughs> yeah, they started to only play X Ball and not play Seven Man. And I wanted to play, you know, I didn't have a girlfriend or a kid or anything at the time. So I was like, dude, I want to play as much paintball as possible. Yeah. And then I found a team to play for that had the same sponsorships, everything like that. It, it, it was infamous. And, uh, and it was like, no, no, not happening. There's, there's just too many conflicts. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And then eventually it was, you know, it was like halfway through the season. I ended up playing for a miss. So that's, that's funny. It was like the same, kind of the same story. Yeah. They were trying. They're basically trying to suspend me, but I was like not having it. I don't think we actually even made. We didn't do well that event, that Atlantic City event, but then we won World Cup, and that's the one where Jeremy Salm from the woods, from the sidelines. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad I actually missed that with Avalanche. Oof. Man, that's, and I think that's when I started. Um, your whole transition, I think it was actually just right after you got on to Aftershock, is kind of when I started seeing who you were and started watching you. And I, I, a lot of how you play and your style of play, I took a lot from, from too. I, I, was, I had a lot of influence from, like, the younger Dynasty guys, but you were around the, you're around the same age, correct? Yeah, we were all... And that's why in, I started watching you, too. When I went to Atlantic City... I was supposed to go to Dynasty. You know, like we had we had already been playing together. We played the whole year together in ninety nine as the Iron Kids. Then mm-hmm. I was already on the Iron Men when they started Dynasty, and that's the reason why um, you know, I was already playing pro and I believe their first event they played amateur or they still might have been out of control. But I was I was already on the Iron Men and then I went to Avalanche. I think I was on Avalanche when they went pro. I think that was two thousand one. Right? So I was yeah. I was already on Avalanche. And we'd always talked about it. They were like, come on, let's go, you know, just come over to Dynasty. And I was like, well, I felt bad because I, I was basically, uh, you know, would be quitting on John and Chris and LB and all those other guys, you mm-hmm. know. So I was like ready to go play with my friends that I've been playing with for, you know, the past three years. And then um, the whole thing happened with Avalanche. I went to Atlantic City and I went up to Chuck Hench, who was the head of dynasty at the time and everybody's like yeah let's go let's do it and chuck hench was like no we'd kind of rather have you just come at the beginning of next year and i'm like dude i'm trying to play right now like, yeah there's a tournament right now and uh chuck was like no no i don't think so like we'd rather wait so i was like wow dude what the fuck man so rennick was like you can come on our team i was like all right fine so i did that and then we ended up winning World Cup, and I felt like I had built like some good relationship with these guys. Now I felt bad about quitting on Aftershock, you know, <laughs> Billy and Todd and all those dudes, Ryan Williams, you know, like yeah. those are my boys. Like we'd had some good times. They'd taken care of me every time I went out to Chicago and stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, I felt uh, a loyalty to them, you know. And it was just like hard to quit, and then ended up getting screwed later and going to Dynasty eventually. But you know. I probably uh, should have gone, would have, could have, should have gone that uh, event in 02. 
That's how it works out, though. I mean, you 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 do everything with good intentions, and everything happens for a reason. So, yeah, and yeah, it's what uh, what did you shoot on? Was it on aftershock? Was it an autococker? I shot an autococker um, when we, up until X ball happened in 03. but then uh, we had these intimidators that were just ridiculous. So I shot my autococker at Atlantic City, and then the first part of World Cup. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, you got to try this thing. And I got, I got the, just the sickest shock tech intimidator. I was getting like 15 pods, you know, just the most fragile paint. You yeah. know, we had that white evil ball, yep. you know, and the, the evil marb. And I mean, it was just glass flying super straight, shoot a ton of pods, never break paint. They were sick looking too. I had an all black one. Yeah. They were nasty. Dope. Now, was it uh, was it on when you were on Aftershock? Is that the first time I met you? I, I don't know if that was the first time I met you. I met you, I remember in an airport in Las Vegas for the first time, and I took a. I was on Tipman Effect, and we have we have a picture. I think it's Drew Hire has the picture, still. I, I think I met you before that at Skyball. I see. You I don't know what Tipman Effect. And it was we. It, it was Jason was breakdancing. Break dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was like oh one. No, that had to have been oh three. Yeah, I think it was oh three. That was on Dynasty, I think already. It might have been. Yeah, it might have been oh three because I remember Jason was break dancing. I was more or less kind of like the hype man. I wasn't break dancing too much. I was kind of like, I can do some stuff, but I'm not going to do too much because I want to give it away. So I'm doing a few things. And then I saw you come over and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that was the first time uh, we met. And we, I think every tournament we at least said hi or something like we saw each other. Yeah, yeah that was funny. Because <laughs> we were there. It actually might have been the end of 03, beginning of 04. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure I went to Skyball uh, with Smart Parts. Right, because yeah. I was there. I think I was there with uh, Ryan and maybe Yosh. It and then you were uh, at the Tipman booth, like right next to us, and we were all just chilling up in that little vendor area. Yeah, and, yeah. You no, know, a breakdance battle broke out. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 was, it's it's funny how we how we cross paths. I mean, there was another tournament too where I saw you, and I, it was an X ball tournament. I don't know if it was the, it was the first one or not. But you had you had your giant orange fro, and it was raining, or it had rained, and you you just had shorts on, and you pulled them up, you pulled them up real tight all the way around your waist, and everything, and you're racing people up in I think it was at a a, a track somewhere like a, a that was Chicago. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. And I was sitting there, and I was in the Tipman booth, and I was like, oh man, I want to I want to go out there and race them. I want to go out there and foot race them, and I ended up not doing it, but it happened. Yeah, it's a big memory in my yeah. head. I can talk about how I smoked you in the rain in my underwear <laughs> right now, you know? <laughs> it would have been a good story. That was that one event that they had. Uh, that was 03. That was the middle of 03, so I had to have met you earlier than 04 because that was the one event they did in Chicago at that racetrack. Mm-hmm. And it rained super bad, and I think we screwed up that infield super bad, and they never let us back. Just like everywhere we go. <laughs> Everywhere else we go. Yeah, that's what happened in Cleveland is that we just we fucked everything up because it rained. Like, we can't help that it rains and then we're just destroying the grass there. Like, we are, that's not our intention, but it's like all the nice places we always tend to fuck up some way or another. Nemecolon. Remember that place? <laughs> Dude, that that, place that lodge was sick. 
That place was like somebody went out there with scissors and cut the grass. That's how nice that place was. And then we just went out there and just ran a tractor <laughs> through their greens, you know? People were, like, putting on it the day before, and then we come in and destroy it. Oh, my God. It's such a mistake. People have no idea what they're getting into when they, <laughs> when they sign us up. Oh, so good. <laughs> so, uh, so now, uh, present day, you um, – you well, you've been coaching Ironman for is this your your second year? This is I started uh, at Cleveland last year, so I've done three events. And but before this, you coached Infamous for a year, correct? Um, I stopped coaching Infamous. I didn't I didn't coach anybody in uh, all of all of fifteen, and then half of sixteen. I coached Vicious. I coached Infamous. That's right. That's right. 10, vicious. 11, 12. And then I stopped uh, beginning of 13. Mm-hmm. And then Vicious hit me up after the first event of 13. So I did all of 13 with Vicious and all of 14 with Vicious. Then the team folded. What made you hang it up though, as far as playing goes? Um, I was going to go play with. So I had this brilliant idea to merge infamous and aftermath in 2010 mm-hmm. right um and so because I, I joined infamous at the end of, for world cup of 09 and in the beginning of 2010 i was like hey mike let's merge these two teams take the best you know because infamous only had like six or seven guys maybe mm-hmm. and, um uh i was like hey mike you know let's kind of you know join forces and put a good team together and uh, the first practice we had, um, it was like some bullshit practice in January at some shitty field. And we're playing a bunch of chumps. I shoot this dude and then take off running because, like, everybody's dead. So I go to, like, fill out a corner. And I'm playing. And then the same dude that I just shot comes running down the middle at me. So I try to run back to where I was to shoot him. And I slipped on the turf and I tore my left MCL. Oh. So I had already torn my right PCL the first practice I ever had with Dynasty. So I have a right torn PCL that I had repaired, and I think I'd mess it up again, mm-hmm. and a left PCL. I was planning on having surgery during that 2010 season, um, but I wasn't ready to have surgery, so I just uh, decided to coach. Mm-hmm. And I had such fun coaching that I was like, you know what, I'm not trying to you know, deal with these knee issues you know, anymore you know, for yeah. the rest of my bullshit, so... I was like, I'll just keep coaching because it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. I thought you would have tore it when you uh, you kicked that gun out of my hands when you jumped over me in the snake. <laughs> it was already torn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. Hey, I didn't fun. know you were there. So. <laughs> I, was like, like, I totally shot you first, though. Later. My mind is fuzzy on that part. <laughs> yeah, that's the like, you can't see that part from the picture, so it's hard for me to remember. All right. There's a couple pictures I have them stored. <laughs> so, uh, so now uh, you're 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 coaching Ironman. You're commentating on uh, on the webcast, mm-hmm. and you have uh, you have Raza going. Uh, yes. Is and you're you're freshly married, correct? Too a few months. Yeah. September. September. Yeah, quite a few months then. Yeah. Is there uh, is there any talks of any little ones on the way? Dude, everybody says that you can't prepare for it, 
mm-hmm. know. But I, I definitely don't feel ready, but she wants to, you know, but I don't know. I'm just, I feel like there's, I, I, I feel young, even though I'm about to turn 37, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like, I still don't feel like I'm ready to have kids, you know, but everybody says you're never ready, but it's probably about that time. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, a, a gr- well, for me, it was like a, a growing up experience in the fact that it's not you're not thinking about yourself anymore i mean obviously i was thinking about my wife when it was just her and i but when you know i don't have to you know wipe her ass or feed her applesauce or anything like that so it's you know and and now i have the little one here and it's just it's such a different feeling you're not you're never ready it's true and yeah but it's it's cool yeah i don't know we'll see (laughs) we'll give it a shot (laughs) what uh not going going back to paintball again. I I go off on tangents, but uh, whatever you want, it's your show. I'm chilling. <laughs> go, everybody left. I'm the last one here. I saw a couple lights start going off. I didn't know if you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna be in the dark. Yeah. But um, I want to get your take on where do you see or what do you think paintball needs uh, in the next five years to grow, or where do you see it heading? Um. <laughs> That's a tough one, man. You know, everybody's got their different views on what, how, and why, but I thought that everything that we did with Paintball Access was the start of what we needed to do um, to get Paintball going in the right direction Mm -hmm. Um, as far as, like, the promotion of Paintball. We shot 56 in-studio shows here at Die leading up to those events for three years we did off-season shows you know there was there was stories about the pros like you know we're sitting here right now telling old stories and you know that's that's basically what we were doing except we're telling the current events we'd also have times you know we got to talk about the old stories and you know different stuff like that and then the coverage i felt got better every single year you know and Mm -hmm. I give a lot of credit to Dave Youngblood for, you know, starting all that and then getting it going and Matty Marshall uh, for all the hard work he put in because he called me day one and was like, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is the way I see it going. Dave's back in this whole thing and this is how we're going to make it professional. Yeah. And I thought that that was great. And all the way up until that first event um, right in Dallas and then Go Sports took over afterwards. Um, you know, I thought that we had made progress. We had definitely made mistakes, but we had made progress event by event. You know, um, we give so much credit to Darren Sasania. We call him the Iceman. Um, he was the one that basically runs everything for paintball access. And, um, you know, he got us to the point, you know, where, you know, we were figuring things out and trying to figure out what we needed to do, what was working, what wasn't working, changing the cameraman, the camera angles, making stuff you know available for view when stuff was launched you know maddie and what kind of content we had yeah and um you know when ghost sports took over they kind of like were it seemed like they they were trying to start from start fresh you know there's a lot of things that we did with paintball access that they didn't want to do right and it took a little bit of like hey you know like we've already made these mistakes like learn from us like let's not make these mistakes and slowly but surely you know we've gotten better and we've gotten back to like you know having really good quality webcasts but i still feel like it's that extra stuff in between that 
is what makes people excited about paintball. You know, if I was me back in 1996, 1995, when I first started and I just had those magazines, mm -hmm. if I could get on my computer as a 16, 15, 16 year old kid and listen to um, Billy Gardner talk for an hour, I would have, I would have been all over it. Yeah. You know, if I could have got on there and watched Todd Adamson from Rage tell me about, you know, how he just won that NPPL 10 man in the wide open with the red and blue bunkers, you know, with the red and blue basically pallets. Yeah. You know, how he won that event, you know, with a dead man walk. Like, <laughs> I'd have been all over it, you know, like the tournament coverage that we have now is good. Um, and, you know, I'm just being honest here, you know, you know, I don't get fired at Go Sports. You know? <laughs> no, I mean, it's your opinion. I want more of it, you know, like, and I think people want more of it. I think people will consume more of it. And, um, you know, I just think we need to get back to that, you know, really covering um, the events more in depth, you know, and just learning more about the players. Because, you know, what's so cool about paintball is that there are so many different personalities. It's, what, it's what's cool about sports, you know, like yeah. so many different people from all over the world that we play against. You know, like mm -hmm. there's so much to know, so much to be excited about in paintball. So I think that those that that's one thing. Um, I'm not a big fan of the split deck format. Like I get it, you know, but I think that because we do the split deck, we don't get to tell those stories. We don't get to, you know, talk more about the teams and the players as individuals. Mm -hmm. And if we don't get to do that during the game, then, you know, we got to do it after the game sometime. You know, I don't yeah. feel like we all that. So. Um, the one thing as far as like the coverage and like the expand of, you know, like the, the reach that we're trying to, to get, you know, to get more people all around, to be excited about paintball, to want to see paintball, watch paintball and learn about paintball mm -hmm. it, from our media. Right. But as far as the game, I think the game needs to get better as well. I think people need to stop being cheaters and stop cheating just because they can get away with it and, uh, you know, try and preserve the integrity of the game. And I think the referees need to do a better job. You know, I think it's really hard to be a ref, but you know what? Like other sports find a way to have referees that are there that take pride in doing their job. Not saying our guys don't, but to go and ref a three hour NBA game is different than refing 20 back to back to back to back paintball yeah. games for 10 hours a day. You know, oh, yeah. I mean? like, I'm not I'm not saying that those guys are doing a bad job or that we there's other people that can do a better job. I'm just saying it needs to get better, you know. So, I yeah. think, you know, people need to stop cheating, referees need to do a better job. Um it's always better and it's you can't do with anything about it sometimes, but going to places where it's not where it's affordable for everybody, but the weather's still good. Mm -hmm. So that the paint's good. People have a good time and want to play more, you know, all those little things that go into, uh, you know, throwing a paintball tournament. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree hundred percent. I think, I think paintball access and what you guys were doing was, was, was great for the game. And I, and I agree with the split deck thing, uh, your opinion on it. Like I, I'm not a really big fan because for, for the person in the stands, constant action is great for the person watching the webcast. Constant action is great. But it's what we what we like to see is the kind of the behind the scenes stuff, a little bit more storytelling, 
two minutes is a lot better than 30 seconds in between points as far as what you need to get out or 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 tell about this player or tell about the team or anything like that it's a lot more you draw the the person in mentally a little bit more whoever's watching i feel to a certain team and maybe you know oh i do like aftershock or i do like iron man because of this and you get a little bit of backstory and learn things about the players Exactly, exactly. And especially if you have something where Paintball Access was doing where you kind of go behind the scenes about a team and you can show a quick clip of something like that, you can go back and watch that much better. And I feel like the more content that we have out there, not just not just a bunch of paintball cuts and this and that and a bunch of clips like that, but actual like storytelling stuff, um, 100% better for the game and I th- I agree with you also on the uh, on the referees and on on the cheating uh, you know and we're all you know we all have cheated and we all have done it before whether it be just because or because you gotta win <laughs> because you gotta win a tournament there's been in situations where if if I die going to this corner we don't have a very good chance or you know we drop a side or whatever so I might have to slide one off and I think we've all been in that situation but I, I agree with with people kind of going going back and keeping the integrity of the game, and with the referees. Do you think maybe having two different squads of referees that switch out at lunch? Uh, do you think that would be a good idea? Having fresh sets. I think that would hurt because you know the uh, morning crew might not be as strict as the afternoon crew. Right. Um, proposed two years ago was that we have two to three replacement refs, right? Like, say you have a crew of 15, mm-hmm. but only 12 ref at a time. And every point, each one of those refs rotate positions on the field. So the likelihood of you having one ref in the same spot make the same mistake twice, the likelihood of that is greatly decreased. Yeah. Right? So that way, if Carl is refing the corner and Carl likes the Ironman, and I'm running to the fucking corner every time and you're my homeboy, you know, like I'm making it in there alive, right? <laughs> but uh, you're refing and I go once and I make it and then the next point I go again and there's a different ref, you know, and I cheat, then I'm not going to get hooked up, right? Yeah. So. Which I wonder how it was. Next guy comes in and I made that argument to the rest one time and they're like, well, you know, guys just like players, you know, get comfortable in their positions and then they know how to play their position well. I'm like, dude, this is refing. If you can't ref the whole field, just like if I can't play the whole field, then I'm not going to be the best. Right. So, you know, you guys just have to be able to watch the same game from different angles. And I think it'll actually help you understand the game better if you did watch it from different angles throughout the event. And also, if you watch different players from different angles, because you might be like, oh, that's how that guy makes it there all the time. He's constantly getting shot and wiping his off. <laughs> like, some of the shit blows my mind sometimes. You know, like, I, I, they always want to be like, well, how did you see that over there from the pit? I'm like, how didn't you see it from five feet away? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, but taking it back to uh, the cheating thing, I remember there was, a, there was a story I had where I was playing on Excessive, and we were playing Seven Man, and... I was on Excess Energy, the second team, and I, I ran to the snake off the break, got hit in the hand, and and you know walked off the field. I got shot. Telford comes over to me and he goes, "What happened?" I said, "Well, I got shot in the hand." And I, oh, he goes, "You need to slide that shit off and stay in the damn game if it depends on us winning the game or not." I was like, 
wow, okay, I guess I guess I need to. But I, I you know, I I don't like. I really don't like cheating. I don't like. I, I whenever I get shot, I look at it and I go, "Nice fucking shot, man." The, I I have to. It's respect to the other players, right? Yeah. And and there hasn't been very many times where I have uh, where where I've cheated. I've I've done it, but I haven't done it as often as I feel other players players have. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I never got on the the cheating uh, bandwagon. You know, there's a difference between the guy who's like, you know, oh, I'm in my spot and I got shot and oh, man, like I could probably, you know, maybe wipe this off and get away with it or just keep playing and act like I didn't know to the guy that's like, if I get shot and there's nobody around, I'm for sure wiping it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's players in the league that play with that attitude like I'm wiping it no matter what. If I can get away with it, I will. Yeah. And that 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 just bugs me, you know, like. As a competitor, I want to win fair and square and lose fair and square. You know, I want to go home at the end of the day knowing that that guy was better than me. Here's why, and here's what I'm going to go do to get better so I can beat him next time. Or I beat that guy because I put in the work, I put in the time, he didn't, and mm -hmm. I got him with the work that I put in, and right. I won. And I earned it, and I deserve it, and now I can enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Which I wish it could be. That's, I yeah. just... Somebody told me that they they're comparing it to like football. There's holding on every play, and it's, it's like, yeah. And I looked at him like, I mean, there is, I guess. I mean, I'm not a big football fan, but it's like you can't you can't go in having your first option be cheat, you know, if you get shot. It's just like it doesn't. It takes away the game. It takes it takes away from the game. I don't think it's a good analogy for football. You know. Mm -hmm. I, Uh, I don't know. It's tough. It's it's, yeah, it's paintball's like, its own I don't thing. Feel like, I don't feel like every single point people are wiping hits, you know? Right. That'd be like if on the break four people got hit from both teams and then whoever didn't get pulled. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Everybody starts wiping them off and then the referee maybe only finds a couple people. Like yeah, I don't I don't I don't like that analogy. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I'm trying to think of like there's some other of some other rules and uh do you like the whole swing point thing under a minute um well that's another thing i don't like the swing point no but there would be no need for it if the referees officiated correctly right i guess if if it was officiated correctly and um and then we broke it down and looked at it and there was certain situations we could look at and be like okay this doesn't work mm -hmm. but those swing points are always under a minute, right? You have yeah. to get a major under 60 seconds. Well, I'll give you a good example. So we're playing X Factor last event in Vegas, and we have to win, right? Right. And they're beating our ass the whole game, but we start to come back at the very end. And it's a one-point game with 20 seconds left, right? First of all, there's a time runoff, too, that the referees didn't even tell me about. They just ran the clock off, which made absolutely no sense. Um, <laughs> but, you know, on the break... The same move that A-Rod did to win the tournament, we had done in that point. Right. We shot the guy at the snake insert on the break, and um, it was Billy Bernaccia. He got shot in the pack, right? So he gets shot in the pack. He slides in. Um, it should be a minor penalty, right? If he, if he walks off and the penalty gets pulled, 
he didn't even come off. The referee didn't even see it, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't come off, but if he goes off, and then the penalty gets pulled, and then another dude uh, that gets shot on the break, our guy comes through the same lane that um, A-Rod comes through and maybe shoots those guys, maybe we tie it, right? right? But you'll see in certain situations like that, even if Billy knows he got shot, he'll sit in the bunker and wait for a ref to come pull him out. Right. Right? Because if you're, you know, under 20 seconds and you see a dude and you think you shot him but you're not sure and he doesn't walk out, then you you hesitate. Yeah, you can't just run blind. But if you see him get shot and he runs off the field and you see a flag and you see a body, you go. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, don't, I think that that gets messed up more than anything in the end of those close games is that guys will get shot and they'll know it but then there's no recourse for them sitting in their bunker and not walking off because they're saying, well, I'm asking the ref for a check. Right, waiting to get right. pulled. You know, so I, I think that the way that those ends of games are refereed needs to be reassessed just so that more than just a guy gets a major, then they stop it and give him a point. But, like, how is the game affected? You know, like yeah. if that guy intentionally sat in his spot and he affects the game – then yeah, I'm, I think that a penalty should be thrown, but you never see a penalty for that. You only see a penalty for a guy playing on at the end of the game, right? You know? Right, and that's and that's the tough part because it's it's the player. You know, are do you really know that you got shot? I mean, because a lot of times, uh, you know, sometimes it does bounce, and you are calling for a check, and and you didn't get shot. And um, it's happened plenty, plenty of times to me going to a corner. Like, I'll feel it. I'll get into the corner. I'll stop, and I'll look, and I'll have them check it. Sometimes it breaks. Sometimes it bounces. And that's where that gray area is. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean about the officiating. The officiating never seems to be consistent enough to always call those calls the same. You know, right. from one event to the next or one game to the next. You know, like that same call, say it's on your leg, right? But it's on the back of your leg, and you can't see it. If you dive in and it's on the back of your leg and you look back, some refs might give you a major on that. Yeah. You know, you shot your gun, you'll get a major. Some of them, you know, if you slide in and ask for a check, they'll throw a penalty on you. Mm -hmm. You know, but like, like I, I saw this uh, probably 10 times last event. A dude gets shot, referee runs over to check it, doesn't find the hit. But the player doesn't wipe the hit because he can't see the hit. Right. Referee runs away. Next ref runs in and goes, hey, you're hit. Penalty. Oh, my God, yeah. Second here. If that referee that checked him the first time would have done his job correctly, then there would have been no penalty. You know, those right. are the things that bug me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you'd have done your job in the first place, then we wouldn't be in this situation. But now the guy, does he deserve a penalty because the referee missed it and he continued to play? Or is that the ref's fault and he just screwed the team? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly, because you're assuming at that point that you're clean, that it that it bounced because yeah. the ref called, you know, left you. He didn't pull you off the field. So these are all just things that go back to the question that you asked, you know, about the dynamic of how does the game, how do we make the game better, mm -hmm. right? What does paintball need to be better? I think that paintball can be so exciting, you know, in these close matches and these, you know, determining factors. We've seen it so many times because we've been around for a long time where they determine games that could have gone either way. You know, oh, and that's yeah. the part. You know, the frustrating part, one of the reasons, another reason why I stopped playing too 
you know, and also um, stopped coaching there for a little bit was that I didn't think that I could get a fair shake. You know, why am I going to go in and put all that time in the gym, running, you know, getting in shape, doing drills to be the best to go out and get screwed by a lesser player or a bad ref? Having in somebody else's hands. You know, I hate that. Like, I, I just couldn't take that, you know, like I've lost I've lost money. I've lost tournaments taking second places because i've gotten cheated because a ref blew it either gave me a bad call or somebody cheated me and they didn't see it mm-hmm. so it's hard to, to take those you know over and over and over again do you Feeling know like, yeah. off of that because uh, i was watching one of your guys's games in vegas and um the, the, vegas was the first event that they actually uh started doing the replays correct mm-hmm now, do you feel that that was effective at all? No, not at all. I think that there might have been certain situations, but most of it, they went into the booth and kept that to themselves, you know, what they were looking at. And there was a couple times I went in there, called timeout, had a replay, and then came out and didn't really give an explanation. You know, mm-hmm. and it's hard. Like, I understand it's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that's brand new isn't going to be perfect right away. But I don't like... Like there's there's rules to the replays in basketball for a reason, right? Right. Like if it's under three minutes, I think you can go back and and replay a call. And if you watch the replay to check and see like who the ball went out at bounds on, but you realize that it was a foul, you can't retroactively call the foul. Right. Right. And it's the same thing. But I felt like, you know, with our replay that we were doing, it was let's just make sure we don't double screw this team. Yeah. You know? Like it was, oh, um, uh, like what was the situation? Um, like a team got a penalty, right? And they wanted to make sure that it was either like a yellow, not a red, or red, not a yellow. Mm-hmm. Or was it actually even a penalty, right? Right. It, like even, even if they called the penalty on you in the point and you lost the point, they'd go back to the replay and be like, ah, we kind of screwed that up. We're not going to make them start with four. You know, but we so still it's lost the point. It's try, yeah, it's trying to make things more right instead of less wrong, I guess, or less wrong instead of more right. Yeah, and that, that's a tough but, part. Paintball is there's so many things going on. <laughs> there, there's so many yeah. things going on in paintball. It's so hard. hard. Yeah, to get everything right. Just sit here and say that paintball is just super hard to ref. There's too many people, too many balls, you know, too many things going on. I understand it's hard. Yeah, I mean, we went to the moon, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I I think what's tough too is um why paintball is having a tough time breaking through and why it's still tough with all these uh, all these things and topics that we're covering is because I feel like we're playing a game that is constantly year by year, event by event, changing, in some way, whether on or off the field, and it's so hard to keep up with everything that's happening or make right of things that we think are wrong or need to be changed or, you know, there's so many things that we've tried in the paintball world, in the tournament world. And then it, the next event, they weren't there again, or the hand on the head thing, the true semi thing, the, there's just a bunch of stuff that we tried that didn't work. And I think that's, what's tough about paintball is it's, it's continually growing all these other uh, top sports, NHL. I mean, they're all, where they're going to be right the thing that's growing or getting getting better and bigger faster are the players but our sport itself is always changing so that's 
that's the tough thing I think with paintball g- happening right now. Yeah, uh, it's definitely tough. There was that like couple years where there was a new rule every event, and that was always <laughs> fun. But I mean, with anything like you know, that's the crazy. powers that be are trying to figure out what's the best way to go. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it, paintball's still really young. Yeah. You know, if paintball's only been around since the '80s, you know, right? Like the the early '80s, mm-hmm. then. I mean, we're looking at less than 40 years. You know, baseball's right. been around for over 100 years. You know, football's been around for, what, 60 years? Something like that? Yeah. Like, we're still pretty young. You know, we're still... And how long has uh, X-Ball been around? 2003? So we've yeah. really only been playing this game for, what, uh, 13 years? 14 mm-hmm. years? So in 14 years, I don't think that they had everything figured out how to play basketball either. Right. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I constantly think growing. Yeah. And and when you're in that stage, I think the most important thing is that, you know, we keep an open mind about who we are and what we're trying to do and, you know, really just trying to support each other. You know, and I know that that's tough sometimes, you know, in a dog-eat-dog world, everybody's trying to get ahead. <laughs> yeah. Right. But. You know, at some point we got to be like, all right, you know, let's let's work together here and really be honest with ourselves about what's working, what's not. You know, if yeah. that's where we go. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I, I agree 100 um, percent. And, you know, that's all we can do is we can we the only thing that we can't get back uh, from all this is is the money and our and our time uh, spent trying to make this thing better and enjoy ourselves and you know none of us are out there to to win the tournament to make the you know to to change our lives it's like i was i had this conversation with tyler Harmon. um he thinks that what should be changed or what's going to be the future of paintball is taking it down from a five on five to like a two on two or three on three upping the upping the purse to some kind of life changing number for the teams. And it's going to be, it's going to be less for the, the owners and the companies to send these guys to tournaments to play. And if you make it life changing, uh, it could turn around, but that's, I don't know. In some ways I feel like that it could be a possibility, but in some ways I feel like it's going to be really hard to pass for people. Um, I like the concept considering we used to play 15 man and those were like 25 minute games. And then when I came in, we were playing 10 man, 15 minute games. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, we're playing seven man, 10 minute games. And then we're playing as many points as you can score. (laughs) You could have a 12 second point. Jeez. But like, I, I do believe that there is a market, you know, for the the two on twos or the three on threes. Obviously, the NXL has already showed that with their two on two division, the amount of people that they got and the prize package they gave away. But hmm. watching that two on two final was probably about maybe like a hundredth of the excitement as watching Dynasty play Heat. Yeah. In the finals, you know, watching Impact play in the finals of any of their recent events that they've been to the finals in, you know, like, Mm -hmm. cool. Uh, So we're going to have just Nick Laval versus Ryan Greenspan 
like, okay, like that'll be cool in its own sense, but I think five on five is what's up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love seven man too. Seven man was fun. Oh, so fun. But, you know, seven man is definitely closer to 10 man than it is five man. Yeah. You know, not just numerically, but just like the way that the game plays out, right? 100%. Ball because you can just run at people and blow people out their boots and, you know, rack up a bunch of points and then get shot up and start over. And, you know, it's a fun game. I just think we got to make it a little bit better. I understand, you know, if you have less people, it costs you less to get there. Mm-hmm. You can put money in the prize package. But for individuals, yeah. But as far as our team game of paintball goes, mm-hmm. I think on fives where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to, I'd love for players to be making, uh, you know, 50 grand an event. If they win, that'd be tight. Cause that means maybe I'll get paid more to coach or maybe I'll get paid more to be in the booth. <laughs> yeah. We're all, we're all hoping we're all hoping fingers crossed that money comes across, but I mean, we're, I mean, we're still playing it right now for, for that money to get there. Yeah. What do we need? We need to get people to watch. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. If nobody's watching, who gives a shit? Why are you gonna? Why is anybody gonna give you fifty grand for an event? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Exactly. All right, man. Well, I think I think that's a good place to stop. Uh, you know, I I really enjoyed the conversation. I I'm glad sure. you came on. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> I figured this would be a conversation like I have with Maddie, where we talk about a million things, never really go in any uh, particular path, just kind of jump in whatever direction we want to go. And I love it. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. I, mean, I I I I always talk to you all the time, and I've I've ever since I started doing this thing, you were one of the top guys that I wanted to talk to and have on, and and I really appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate it. Anytime, man. People hit you up, they want to know shit. Feel free to hit me up, ask me questions. Uh, I'm always around to answer if anything you need. Oh, and yeah. you know, Roz has got your back. Roz is going to sponsor the uh, Playing On podcast. So. Hell yeah! Thank you to Roz. If you haven't seen the shirts yet, check them out. Proud sponsor. Well, Todd, thank you so much, and uh, I will be seeing you in Dallas. Yes, sir. Have a good one. You too. Good luck, man. We'll see you soon. Thanks. All right. Bye. Thank you so much, Todd, for joining me. I had a really good time. It was a great conversation. I really wanted to uh, to hear what that guy had to say, and and uh, he was one that I watched growing up as well, and. You know, I, 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 I love being able to sit down and have a conversation with them like that. And it's really uh, it's really cool being able to sit down with some of these guys that uh, that that were a big influence on me and, and kind of see how their how their brain worked and what made them tick and who was their influences. And, um, you know, I, I love doing this stuff. And I'm really glad I got to sit down with Todd. He was one of the top five guys that I wanted to talk to. And uh, and yeah, I, I, I love talking to him. I talk to him every event. So uh I was able to sit down and actually have a conversation with him on here that people could hear. So that was uh, was pretty sweet. So thank you, Todd, again. Uh, Thank you to Planet Eclipse, again, for sponsoring me and this podcast. Uh, I I enjoy thoroughly shooting every marker that you guys have put out. Uh, You know, the the LVR, the CS1, the GO 3.5, all that whole kit, caboodle. Uh, Thank you, uh, Planet Planet Eclipse, for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you to Midwest Clothing for sponsoring this podcast. They have some sweet stuff over there. They have tech mats, which uh, they have a Carl Markowski tech mat over there, which is pretty cool. Uh, they have pants. They have shirts. They have all kinds of stuff. They have a head game thing going on right now, um, a little dealio. But um, thank you, Midwest Clothing. Thank you to Vantrition. 
they supply me with all the paintball supplements like the preload and the reload that uh, that help me get through uh, matches and recovering from those damn things so thank you to Vantrition also a big thank you goes to Carbon Paintball they are the makers of the base layer that uh, that Chicago Aftershock and myself wear that uh, that I'm I'm super stoked to be wearing and, and trying out so thank you Carbon Paintball and thank you to RazaLife.com that is uh, that is where you can go get all kinds of custom gear for your team whether it be uh, polos, um, tech shirts for walking around the field. Uh, you can get uh, tank tops. You can get shorts. You can get all kinds of sweet stuff over at BrazaLife.com. So thank you guys so much for joining me. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud. I am over on YouTube at Carl Markowski. Uh, Facebook page is Carl Microwave Markowski, and. Um, and I also have a, uh, an Instagram, cmarkhizzle. But besides all that good gravy stuff, um, The Playing On Podcast now has a Facebook page. Uh, just type in The Playing On Podcast. And uh, if you also do the same thing over at Instagram, The Playing On Podcast, you can find us and follow us over there. So thank you guys for joining me. Uh, I really appreciate y'all listening because, uh, you know, I, I feel like this is something that, that you know, the paintball community loves to hear because it's it's all these stories that we never really got to listen to um unless we were unless we were there with those guys we heard the stories uh and and hearing it directly from their mouth really really means a lot because it's you know for the most part it's the truth you know because you know how stories can get uh, contorted and and you know spoken five different ways and told 800 different ways so so it's cool to hear it from uh, from the horse's mouth. So thank you guys for joining me. And, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to keep doing this. So we'll see you on the next episode, guys. Take care.